It is good to be in the house of the Lord. You may have noticed something new in your bulletin today. There is a a daily devotional guide for you. We'll be offering those each week based upon the Sunday message, and you can use those individually or with groups. It's something to reflect on based upon the message, some scripture to read, some questions to reflect on and answer, and we hope you'll utilize that uh, in your faith journey. Also, we are providing sermon manuscripts uh, from the previous week, and they'll, they'll be in the Narthex or the Welcome Center, and they will include the devotional guide as well. So hopefully those resources will help you as you grow. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of another day of worship in this great sanctuary. Oh, the music stirs our soul so much, but the fellowship and the prayers... The sounds of children. What joy, Lord. And we are reminded of that today. And now, Lord, you have given me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these my friends and your servants, Lord. A task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A preacher once woke up one Sunday morning, and he looked out, and it was beautiful, and he thought he'd play golf instead of go to church and preach. And so he called up one of his associate pastors and said, I'm sick, I'm sorry, I I can't go to church today and preach. The associate pastor said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. That's all right, I got you covered. Well, then that pastor, if you can believe it, drove 40 miles away from his city so no one would spot him. And as he was on the first tee, teeing up his ball, St. Peter leaned over to God in heaven and said, Are you going to let him get away with this? And God said, Don't worry, I've got it covered. Well, just then that preacher hit the drive of his life. It bored into the air. It was beautiful. It bounced once on the green and rolled into the hole for a hole in one. I mean, the preacher was ecstatic. And Peter said to God, God, why did you let him do that? And then God turned to Peter and said, Peter, who's he going to (laughs) tell? Perspective is everything, isn't it? And God certainly has a way of giving us perspective. And that's the beautiful thing about the Christian faith, isn't it? It gives us perspective on our lives, the ultimate perspective. It reminds us of who we are and whose we are. It reminds us of the purpose and the meaning of our existence. And oftentimes when you talk to people who converted to Christianity and gave their lives to Jesus Christ, what they often talk about is a change in perspective, a change in mindset. I once was blind, but now I see. And I have a hunch that many of you came to worship today because you want a new perspective on your life. Maybe you're thinking, I want to be proactive about my life and faith instead of reactive. And maybe you saw the title of this message, The Life You've Always Wanted, and said, yeah, that's, that's what I want. I want to start living the life God has created for me right now. Well, you're halfway there. You have a great start. You're here in worship. Amen? And think of all the people who are connecting online as well. And then think of all of those who decided not to be here today. You're not like those. You're not like that person who every morning would say, I get up each morning and I dust off my wits. I pick up the paper and I read the obits. If my name is missing, I know I'm not dead, so I eat a good breakfast and go back to bed. 
That's not you. You decided to be here. You should be commended for that. You want all that life has to offer in this faith. You want more than this world has to offer. J. Wallace Hamilton, that great preacher, used to talk about the stories of Sir Francis Drake's sailors. And they would often gather on the coast of England when they returned from a trip. And they would tell these stories of the sea to all these young boys who would come to hear them. But they wouldn't talk about the pleasures of the sea. No, they would talk about its dangers. They would talk about these gallant ships riding through these stout winds and these big storms and these big winds of storms, so much so that these boys were so taken by these stories that they would leave home to be a part of it. They wanted to be part of that great adventure. I'll tell you this today, church. Jesus walks on the shores of our lives today and says, you want adventure? Follow me. You want excitement? Follow me. You want to see things that you just won't believe? Follow me into the high waves of love-sharing, life-transforming ministry. You see, the Christian life is not a life of security. It's a life of risk and adventure and excitement. I mean, when Jesus approached the disciples that particular day and they dropped their nets and dropped everything to follow him, why did they do it? Because they couldn't resist the pull of ultimate meaning and purpose and adventure. They left the ordinary in order to do the extraordinary. And I believe that every single one of us secretly craves that kind of life. But unfortunately, many look in all the wrong places for it. Well, we've come to the right place today. We've come to the only place we'll find that one person in life who can give us all the adventure and the fulfillment and the challenge and the excitement that we need. Jesus Christ. So where does this life begin? Maybe you're someone, you've given your life to Christ, you come to church, but you want more. You want to begin that process of sanctification, as Wesley said. Where does it begin? From where does it germinate? Well, it begins with a life of prayer, if you can believe it. It begins with a life of prayer. Now, I was doing some research on the American diet, and I found out some very interesting things. Did you know every day, 250,000 people, because of what they eat, will see a doctor because of a stomach ailment? Every day, 100 million aspirin will be taken. Every day, 2 billion pain relievers will be taken. Every day, 4,000 will suffer from heart attacks. 3 million will experience some kind of heartburn, and get this... $3 million will be spent on antacids to keep the food in, but then $2 million will be spent on laxatives to get out what you put in. Now, we take in a lot of things, don't we? And a lot of bad things. And that is very evident by those stats and by the way some people look. Someone once said, you are what you eat. But I want you to imagine something. Imagine... If you were someone who just ate one balanced meal a week and the rest of the week just snacked on junk food and candy and sweets, imagine how you would feel. Imagine how you would look. You'd be fatigued. Your mind would be scrambled. You'd be emaciated. Did you know that over 80% of Christians, according to a study, who are active in a church... Over 80% of them, although they're active in a church, do not have a regular spiritual feeding program. 
They don't. Not regular prayer or scripture reading. We have many Christians who are spiritually malnourished and yet they're trying to live the life they've always wanted. It's essential. Jesus knew this. If you go through the Gospel of Luke, would you believe that in Luke alone there are at least 15 references to Jesus praying? Luke says Jesus continually withdrew to pray. Which means he withdrew and withdrew and withdrew. It's remarkable. He prayed before he picked his disciples. He prayed before he healed and taught. He prayed before he faced the cross. Jesus was continually praying. And I believe it was his prayer life that enabled him to be the person that God called him to be. And it's the same way with us. If we want to live that amazing life that God has created for us, we must have a daily spiritual program of feeding, of scripture reading. And the exciting thing is, when we do that every day, of praying and read Scripture, you know what will happen? God Almighty will mentor us and guide us. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much, but we need to. The Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God that guides us and mentors us. Think about that. God Almighty will guide us and mentor us. I have a fantasy. I've often had this fantasy. I so wish I could play the guitar like Stevie Ray Vaughan. One of my favorite guitarists of all time. Oh, he could play that guitar. And I've always dreamed of being able to play. Now, I've never really played the guitar before, but I have dreamed of doing it. But I have this fantasy that I go into a music shop. And, and I buy this guitar, my very first guitar, and I sign up for group lessons. And I find out that Eric Clapton is feeling charitable and he decides he's going to lead these group lessons. The great Eric Clapton. And so I sign up for these lessons and I go to my first day in this group lesson. And I am taught and I have this fantasy that after this lesson is over, Eric Clapton comes up to me and says, Charlie, I see some real promise in you. I really do. So you have an option. You can stay with this group and get lessons or I will mentor you one hour every day on that guitar. What do you think I'd do? I would do backflips. Heck yeah. Where do I sign up? And it wouldn't be a year maybe when someone would come up to me and say, I've seen you play the guitar. Where did you learn how to play? And maybe I'd say modestly, well, I took some lessons. No, you didn't. You were taught by a master. The skill you're able to play that guitar with and the sound you get. Amazing. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. And God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to mentor us every single day, We begin to be shaped by that Spirit. We begin to see how the Holy Spirit sees. And to feel how the Holy Spirit feels. And to act how the Holy Spirit acts. And maybe down the line someone will say to us, you know, there's something different about you. You have a wisdom beyond yourself these days. You seem to be at peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. What happened to you? And maybe you would say modestly, well, sometimes I go to church. No, no. You are guided by the Spirit. When we begin 
to read Scripture and to pray and to be guided by the Holy Spirit. We are given the empowerment to live the life we've always wanted, and then we get to the good, fun stuff. I mean that. The good, fun stuff. That's what the Bible says about it. That's my translation. The really good stuff. Because once we begin to feed ourselves spiritually, a conviction begins to grow inside of us to change lives with the gospel. And it's a beautiful thing. Christ begins to draw us to people by His Spirit. Now take a look at something that Jesus said in John chapter 14. I mean, these words will blow your mind what Jesus has to say. Take a look. He says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Now wow! Did you catch that? Jesus said, we'll do greater works than him. How is that possible? Greater works than Jesus? Let me explain. Christ has always existed. John 1 tells us that. But when Christ was here on earth in Jesus, he was limited. He could only heal one person at a time and teach groups at a time. But when he went to the Father, his very spirit came and dwelled in us. And that way, His influence just multiplies. Take a look at what He says. If you love Me, keep My commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. You see, that's why we're able to do more than Jesus. Because His Spirit lives in us, and His Spirit and His influence multiplies millions and millions and millions of times. And I tell you, Jesus, He's chomping at the bit to influence others through us. To work through us to help people. Chomping at the bit. And you know what? There are opportunities all around us. And Jesus is ready. We just have to open our eyes. Now, I have a, a clergy colleague by the name of Claire who has an interesting habit during Christmas time, or at least used to. She used to go to Nordstrom's department store at Christmas. I don't know if Nordstrom's are still around, but she would do that, and she loved to people watch. I love people. Anybody like to people watch? Come on, you're in church. Don't lie. I love to people watch, and Claire does too. So every Christmas... She can't really afford anything in that store, but she takes a Nordstrom's bag and she stuffs it with stuff. It just walks around listening to the Christmas music and watching people. Well, one day she found herself on the very top floor of Nordstrom's, the women's clothing department. And the elevator opened and out walked this homeless woman. She said, caked in dirt. She had a bag with all of her belongings. And Claire was intrigued. And this nice sales lady appeared and said to the homeless woman, Hey, it's great to see you today. How can I help you? And the homeless lady said, Yes, I'd like a cocktail dress, please. She said, Well, we have a great selection. I'm glad you came. And she led the homeless woman to an area where all these dresses were. And she gave her three to try on. And the cheapest of which was around $5,000. And Claire's like, there is no way she could afford one of those dresses. Well, she tried on the dresses. 
The homeless woman, she came out of the dressing room with the dresses and said, I changed my mind. I don't want any of these. And the sales lady said, oh, that's okay. I'm so glad you came in today. I would love to wait on you again. Here's my card and and make sure you look me up when you're back in the store. And Claire thought to herself as she eavesdropped, what is this woman smoking? What is wrong with her? And she went towards the sales lady to find out what was going on. And before she opened her mouth, she saw it. There it was on her blouse, a pen with the letters WWJD. What would Jesus do? Romans 8 tells us that the very spirit of Jesus Christ lives and breathes in every single one of us who believe. And that very Spirit of Christ wants to reach others through us. And the world needs this so bad. I know I don't need to tell you that. Because we live in an age that sociologists like to call the age of the lonely crowd. Which means we're with each other, but we don't connect with each other. Yes, we text And we Facebook and we're on social media all the time and all those things. And we email, but we don't really connect. When was the last time you really connected with someone? Now, Tony Campolo is one of my all-time favorite preachers and speakers. He's a kind of a renegade Baptist preacher. He's not like any Baptist that you know or we know. Amazing speaker. And, of course, he's in the Baptist church. And he talks of one time when one of the deacons in his church just wouldn't deke anymore. Just wouldn't deke. I don't know what that means, but he said he wouldn't deke. He was depressed, despondent. And so Campolo said, well, I'll tell you, I can offer some advice. This may help a little bit. What happens to me when I'm down is often just go and try to help people, and it makes me feel better. And so this man, this deacon... Decided to go to the nursing home down the street from the church. And he met this man. And he would go every week, once a week, and just hold the man's hand while they sat through a chapel service. One day, the deacon went to the nursing home again to see his friend, and he wasn't there. And he asked the nurse what happened, and the nurse said, oh, he took a turn for the worse. He's in the hospital. Well, the deacon went to the hospital, went to the ICU, and there was his friend, just covered. All the bandages and all the tubes and everything. And he held the man's hand, this deacon, and prayed that God would receive him. And the man, he opened his eyes and he squeezed the deacon's hand. And the deacon knew the man had connected with him. Well, the next day, the deacon checked on the man again and discovered that he had died shortly after his visit earlier. But he ran into a woman who was the daughter of this very man. And once she figured out who this person was, this deacon, she said, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh, I can't thank you enough. Because of you, my dad, he died in peace. Because of you, he died in peace. Deacon said, what are you talking about? She said, every time I would go and see my dad, you know what he'd say to me? He said, you know what? Once a week, Jesus, he comes and holds my hand once a week. And he didn't want to die until Jesus came and held his hand one more time. 
Now, I don't know what you think being a Christian is. But I believe it's being the hands of Christ in this world. The feet of Christ in this world. The heart of Christ in this world. The arms of Christ in this world. And the closer we are drawn to Jesus Christ, the closer He draws us to others. And what makes me so proud about this church, and there's so many things that make me proud about this church. I could go on and on forever. But one of the things that makes me proud is that you get it. This church has always got that. And what I love is that this church has not been distracted by all the noise of disaffiliation. All that noise, you have kept your eye on the ball. And since the beginning of this church, you have said to the community, and you've said to the world, we're not going to be a church that's known for what we are against. We're going to be a church that is known for what we are for. Amen? We are for the transforming love of Jesus Christ. We are for showing the mercy of Jesus Christ. We are for changing lives with the gospel. That's what we are for. And boy, does this church do it. Are you aware? Maybe you are, but just locally, are you aware how many ministries this church is invested in and participates in in this community? At least 25 local ministries and missions. 25! The impact of this church on this community is mind-blowing. You get it. And why do we do it? I mean, we're more than Rotary. We're more than Kiwanis. We're more than a charity. Why do we do it? I believe Mother Teresa revealed why we do it. Mother Teresa, you know, sure... Her name is synonymous with Christian love and service. And you know, they, they tried to award her the Nobel Peace Prize and give her money. And what did she do with that money? Well, she gave it away to the poor. And they tried to give her a car to help her. She sold that car and gave that money to the poor. You know, she heard that in Calcutta there were people dying in the streets Because the religious community said they were untouchable. And she said, not on my watch. And she built a hospital there. And held people as they died. And helped some get better. Why do you do it? Mother Teresa. And she would reveal it. When she was asked to speak to a group of nuns. To this small, frail woman with a big, strong spirit. Arose to the podium and she simply lifted up her hands and said, What you do for them, you also do for him. Lift up your hands, please. Repeat after me. What you do for them, you also do for him. She said, in every person she served, she saw the face of Jesus Christ. And you might see it one day as you give a cup of cold water to somebody who's thirsty, as you wrap your arms around someone who is hurting, 
as you listen to somebody no one ever listens to? You just may see the face of Christ and realize it is Christ you are touching. You want to live the life you've always wanted? Get on your knees in prayer and get on your feet and join Christ with what he's doing in the world. You'll never be the same. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, give us your heart. May we feel your spirit that lives in us and may it pull us, pull us, empower us to find those who are hurting that you want to help. Empty us, Lord, and fill us with you and your love. Help us, Lord. We just want to follow you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. I hope it's been a time of meaning and inspiration for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you both now and forevermore. Amen.